Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Monday matinees begin right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated G for general audience. How do I? I'll oh, skip ahead a bit. No, I can't skip ahead. All, all right, everybody, into the time machine. No, 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 no! You don't understand how radio works. All I have to do to return us to the present is fade my voice out like this and cue the organist. You see, here we are. Wait a minute. 63 Audio presents the Old Time Radio Essentials Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Old Time Radio Essentials. If this is your first time joining us, I must inform you that this is episode six. My name is Pete. This is Jane. And I'm Paul. The purpose of our show is to present specific episodes of our favorite old time radio series. Episodes that stand out as particularly representative of those series, or as one of those quotable episodes that fans of old-time radio like to discuss when they get together. We'll open each episode by introducing the selection, describe it briefly, and then play it for you. Then we'll come back at the end of the selection and discuss it at length, each of us giving their opinion on its merit, its performances, or anything that stands out for us. And that's exactly what we're presenting to you, just our opinions on whether or not it's worthy of a place in every old-time radio aficionado's personal collection. You don't have to agree with us, and in fact, we may not agree with each other, and uh, if you've missed the first five episodes, this happens. Mm. Uh, (laughs) No. Yeah, uh, it's tr- it's true, but oh, we do hope that you'll, <laughs> that you'll enjoy what we bring to the table and then keep coming back for more. Each of us three will take turns selecting a show for discussion. Last month's choice was mine, and that was an episode of the Ford Theater. In case you didn't hear it, and it was a listener suggestion, this month we come around again to Jane. And what do you have for us, Jane? This time, I am bringing you an episode of Candy Matson, Yukon 2, a 209. <laughs> and so, without further delay, we bring you the cable car murder case from 1949, and it's Candy Matson. And now, friends, adjust your radio dials to the proper frequency. Get comfortable and listen. Hello, Yukon 28209. Yes, this is Candy Matson. Do you have a little unsolved murder in your home? Got some blackmail you want to unload? Are you the victim of some vulgar extortionist? I know a girl you should meet. 
She may not be the greatest private eye in the world, so what if it does cost you three or four hundred dollars? She sure is sweet. She's Candy Matson. Like to meet her? Hello. Candy Matson? Well, I wasn't sure when I looked in the mirror this morning. Had a rough night, eh? Oh, there have been rougher ones. Look, voice, before you get caught with my receiver down, who are you and what do you want? As to who I am, you'll find out very shortly. What I want is you. How romantic and over the phone yet. Let me finish. What I want is you to lay off that cable car business. Oh, that. Well, I'm afraid I can't. You see, I was sitting beside him when they discovered his transfer had been punched sort of permanently. That's how things happen with me. I get into the craziest routines. You see, I used to be a model. I've been told I have the proper displacement for such a career. But I found there wasn't enough money in it. A girl has to maintain a nice apartment on Telegraph Hill, keep enough clothes to highlight the uh, displacement I mentioned, and also eat, doesn't she? Sure. So I turn private eye. You meet a better class of people, mostly named Rigger or Mortis. Now take this cable car deal. It's positively fantastic. But after all, this is radio, isn't it? Like to hear how the whole thing happened? Leave us trip along to Act One. I wanted to get downtown that morning, but I couldn't take the F car on Stockton. They were ripping up about 87 streets, which is par for the court. So I walked down Telegraph Hill and up to Mason. That's where the Bay and Powell cable car stops. All aboard! Come on, Lana, show that shapely ankle. We gotta make the Fairmont by Whitsuntide. The car was loaded, and so was the character next to me. I tried to budge into the seat between him and a fisherman's wharf dowager, but I couldn't quite make it. I'd forgotten my shoehorn. Say, pardon me, but would you mind reading your Wall Street Journal over that away a bit? I'd like to sit in here. Oh, if you insist. A knight of old. He budged his hips a quarter of an inch, and I slipped in, ready for my rocket ride over the hill and down into town. The trip, as usual, was uneventful. Three smashed fenders and several choice words I'd never heard before, but I wrote them down. By the time our prairie schooner reached the turntable at Market Street, the crowd on the car had thinned out. But, uh... Buster was still beside me, his head buried in common and preferred. Market Street! I started to get down. Hey, lady, take your boyfriend with you. We're heading back up the hill. Boyfriend? I'll sue. He looks like the advance man for Lewis and Clark. How do you like that? He fell asleep over a stocks and bond. I looked again. Hipsy wasn't asleep. <laughs> Hipsy was stone cold dead on market. <laughs> What a twist. I, who always went on the prowl for a whodunit, get one literally tossed into my lap. He just hadn't gone out of this world serene-like. Oh, no. There was a steady slurp-slurp of blood trickling down his vest just north by northeast of the equator. After a half-hour wait full of questioning by homicide leg men, I knew my morning shopping tour was rained out. And after all, I was only going to buy an emerald clip to match the glint in my eye. Well, that would have to wait. I knew the next step. I grabbed a cab home. I wasn't long in waiting. 
right on cue. And if it was the right cue, it would be Lieutenant Ray Mallard from headquarters, daintily pressing his cuticles against my apartment buzzer. I was right. What? I've been expecting you. Come on in, Mallard. You've been expecting me? Why, Candy? Naive little rover boy, you. Have a drink? No, no, I'm not in the mood. Uh, just make it a double. Sit down, Mallard. Let's be civilized. Take off your hat. It is off. Oh? <laughs> Candy, for once I'm puzzled. You're just saying that. Yeah, because it's true. I've checked and rechecked. No matter how many loose ends I tie together, I still get no connection between you and Dwight Ellsworth. Dwight Hoosworth? Ellsworth. Your extremely limp traveling companion on the cable this morning? Mallard, I can give you an angle on that. Yeah? Yeah. The angle being that I didn't know him from Adam. Level? Straight. Oh, look, honeypot, this mediocre dialogue is getting us nowhere. What did you haul your size 11s in here for? Oh, frankly, I don't know. Uh, here, fill it up, will you? Well, you're not just going around in circles, Mallard. You're going around in doubles. Yeah, yeah. Like I've said before, Candy, you've got a pretty view from here. Oh? Wait till I turn around. I mean from your window. Look at that ship down there, just docking. Hmm? Where? Down there. There's oh. romance for you. Probably just in from the Far East. Here's your drink. Oh, thanks. You know, it is sort of romantic. Don't you think it'd be fun to jump on a tramp like that and whisk off to the South Sea? Hmm? On a honeymoon? No. That's what I thought. South Sea. Mallard. Don't call me Mallard. Why not? We're just playing for ducks, aren't we? Oh, very crisp. Playing for ducks. No, Candy, we aren't. Not in this case. We've got a dead man in our hands. Rudy Toot Toot shot right through the heart. And you were sitting next to him. Sure, sure. Go on, now. Get out of here. What? You heard me. Lift your hindquarters and get back to headquarters. Candy, I don't like that look. You've got something on your mind. Yeah, yeah, but you wouldn't recognize it if I told you about it. Uh, one word of warning. Don't dabble. You're in deep enough. Got it? Got it. Here's your hat. Grab it. So long, Mallard. See you around a jailhouse sometime. Fi-fo-fum. Twas then I smelled a big fat fee. That great, big, kind of attractive Mallard. He missed the boat. Oh, he saw it, but he missed it. It was that ship he saw docking. That was the first time I came out of the dark since my Toonerville ride down the hill in the morning. I needed help. So I called an old friend of mine, if you can call that help. Rembrandt Watson was his name. He was a photographer and other things. He spent most of his life in the dark room dabbling with bottles. His negatives and prints were sharp. His thought processes, not quite. But he'd given me assistance in the past, so I called him. Rembrandt Watson speaking. Photography, portraits, and camera work. Yes, Rembrandt, I know. Also uh, available for gardening, janitorial service, and babysitting. Rembrandt, it's candy. Especially at the over 21. Who? Candy? Now you're tuned in. How oh, dare you, baggage. I was experimenting with a new type of formula. 90 proof for 100. 100. And candy, it works beautifully. There's a delightful little pixie in a pink ballet skirt in my living room. Well, leave her there and get over here immediately to my place. Take a cab. I'll pay for I'd it. I'd much rather have a handsome carriage with a brace of chestnuts. You've got them in your head. Now just do as I say and get over here. Float in, Rembrandt. Gadfrey, 
Where's the man to take me cloak, gloves, and topper? You're wearing a sport coat and slacks, and you know I have no man. And therein lies your basic trouble, my dear. You have no man. Now, Rembrandt. Every man should have a woman. Every woman should have a man. It's the incontrovertible law of the universe. Candy, you should have a man. You? Sure. I'm no longer a man. I'm a sprite, transcending the world. Well, and... stop transcending a moment and come down to Earth. We've got a job to do. How poetic. How idyllic. We've got a job to do. Uh, for money? Eventually. Oh, one of those. Very well, my dear. Bring me up to date. Well, I... I don't really know if I can or not. Good. And I shall leave and return to me formula. Oh, no. What I mean is, the whole story is so fantastic, you'd never believe it. I might. Try me, Candy. Well, I get on a cable car and sit next to a character reading the Wall Street Journal. A strange coupling. A cable car and the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. And when we get to the end of the line, my friend next to me is dead. Probably the ride down the hill frightened him to death. Uh-uh. He looked like a used punch board. He had a neat little bullet hole through his heart. Candy, my little ballerina friend in the pink skirt is more believable than what you just told me. I told you it was fantastic, but none of how it happened. Now, sooner or later, Mallard is going to come out of his fog. And when he does, I'm going to be out of a fee. A fee that so far doesn't exist, my pretty. It will, if my hunch is right. Now, here's what I want you to do. Go down to the Chronicle and get all the back files you can on Southern Island Steamship Company. The Chronicle? A pleasure. I have a few questionable companions there who indulge in formulas. Stay away from those companions and just do as I ask. Very well, my dove. I go, but entirely against my will. And where will you be? Around town, Rembrandt. I've got to do some legwork. Let me assure you, Candy, you have just the right equipment for it, too. What a joint. I'll bet they mount slit gullets on the walls instead of deer heads. Well, come on, Candy. Get your tools out and screw up your courage. Yeah, miss, what'll it be? Uh, nothing right at the moment except information. Information, water, both free. What do you want to know? Well, I'm, I'm looking for the purser off the of Dwightsonia. I hear he does his shore duty in here. Uh, that's right. Name Campbell. That head on the table over there belongs to him. Thanks. Hello, sailor. Hey, Campbell. Wake up. Uh, oh, leave me alone. Come on, snap out of it. Uh, who are you? What do you want? My name is Candy Matson. I want to ask a question. Oh, I'm only drinking. Go away. Not until I find out what I want to know. Dwight Ellsworth was murdered this morning. For what? I thought that would bring you to. Uh, well, that's the nicest news I've heard since VJ Day. What do you want to know? Where did his brother live? That stooge. He's got about as much spine as a water eel. Never mind. I want to find him. He seems to keep his whereabouts as secret as an atomic stockpile. Uh, the whole family ought to be knocked off. Uh, he lives out in Seacliff, 25 Dashell Road. Good. A bartender, buy my friend a little reward. And one for yourself, too. Well, so far, so good. Oh, how did I know about Campbell, the purser? Well, you see, I have quite a few friends, most of whom my pal Mallard doesn't approve. 
So I grabbed a cab and navigated the driver out towards Seacliff. It was so foggy I couldn't see the meter. But I paid him anyway, gave him a neutral tip and dismissed him. There it was, 25 Dashell Road. An austere-looking cabana. One that dared you to ring the front doorbell. I dared. I had the awful feeling I should have been around at the side door delivering hand laundry. Good evening. Well, except for the fog, yes. Uh, is Mr. Ellsworth in? Yes, he is. But I'm afraid I must ask you to leave. There has been a death in the family. I know. That's why I'm here. Come in, please. Thank you. Walk this way, please. Oh, I'm afraid I, I couldn't, even if I lived to be a hundred. Mind your tongue, young lady. You're in the house of an Ellsworth. Oh, Hoity, toity, the old babe had delusions of grandeur. Well, no need to get uppity with me. I've mingled with royalty. I once played a bit part in a Rita Hayworth picture. But this old gal was really something. She couldn't have been more than 45, yet looked like something out of the barracks of Wimpole Street. She ushered me into a large-ceilinged living room, and there on the divan was my boy, his head lowered into his hands and quite obviously touched. Quite obviously. Roger, this young lady is here to see you. I don't believe you mentioned your name. Uh, Candy Matson. Matson? You in shipping, too? Mm, of a sort. Oh, uh, this is my wife, Miss Matson. You'll pardon me if I don't seem hospitable, but my brother was murdered this morning. I know. I was sitting next to him when it happened. You were? Don't talk to her, Roger. I don't trust her. This whole thing is a threat of some kind. No, it's not a threat. It's a business proposition. I'll come right to the point. You see, I'm a private detective. Oh, one of those persons. Put your nose back down, Mrs. Ellsworth. I want to get the show on the road. Yes, I'm a private detective, and I'm in a spot, too. The police think I'm connected with the case in some way, so I'm here for a double purpose. I'm listening, Miss Matthews. Roger, I forbid you to speak with this, this woman. Too late, Mrs. Ellsworth. Now, this is it. I'm in this business to make money. Give me a check now for $300, and I'll find out who killed your brother. And I'll also clear myself. Roger, I'm warning you. Naturally, you want to see the killer of your brother brought to justice, don't you, Mr. Ellsworth? Don't you? I... Yes, yes. Here, I'll make a check out right now. Thank you. Just make it out to Candy Matson. Payable today. The lovely collection of guns you have, Mr. Ellsworth. You hunt much? Mm. Oh, yes, yes. My wife and I are quite fond of shooting. Uh, she's an excellent shot. Ah, there you are. Thank you. I'll be in touch with you sometime tomorrow. Mr. Reed didn't say a word. She just stood there against the fireplace and shot sparks through me. After I waved the check in the air a few times to dry the ink, she showed me to the door. Very clever, aren't you? Taking advantage of a weak-willed man. I wonder who made him that way. Don't cash that check. I mean it. Don't cash that check. Mrs. Ellsworth, $300. I need the money, badly. I need some new rolls for my player piano. I buzzed back downtown. I wanted to cash that check in a hurry. I knew of only one person who would give me the crisp green at that hour of the night. Uncle Charlie, the honest miller who ran the chase room. Uncle Charlie, in the strict sense of the word, was a gentleman. 
So with a tender little pat on my cheek, he cashed the check and I went up Telegraph Hill and home. All of a sudden, my eyes did a couple of inverted loops. All of my lights were on. Who's in here? All right, speak up. Oh, Candy, the light of my oh. life. Come join our party. Oh, Rembrandt, you gave me a scare. You don't scare easy what? either, Candy. Got something on your mind? And Mallard. Well, how ducky, a midnight soiree. What goes on here? Well, that chicken you had in the icebox is delicious. Was delicious. Looks like you've done everything but eat the bones. Your vintage is superb, too, Candy. Have a little formula? No. Now, now come on, what gives? That's my line, Candy. What gives? You're in on something, and I want to know about it. Oh, Mellor, believe me, it, it's nothing. I, I'm, I'm just trying to parley a couple of hunches. Tall hunches. Look at all those clippings on the South Sea Island Steamship Company. What are they for? I meant to tell you, Candy, I had remarkable success down at the Chronicle. There's everything you want on that steamship line. Oh, Rembrandt, did you have to tell the whole world? Candy, you chide me unnecessarily. I merely had the clippings on the table when Hawkshaw here walks in on me. Okay, Candy, take it from there. I can't tell you yet, Mallard. Nothing makes sense yet. I, I've got about four loose ends that need tying off. I'd only put two men to following you. I'd save myself a lot of grief. Two days, that's all, Mallard. Just give me two days. I think I'll have it for you. All right. But don't forget, the boys down at Kearney Street headquarters don't love you the way I do. Two days. No more or less. I gotta go. Thanks for the foul, chicken. Ah, very gay. Here, Rembrandt, here's $50 for you. Fifty? My word. What's all this talk about a recession? Go on and take it. Go someplace and stabilize the economy. I whipped through the old newspaper clipping. It was all there. Fire at sea on Ellsworth ship. Two seamen lost off Ellsworth ship near Honolulu. South Sea Island line ship loses rudder in storm. On and on it went over a period of three years. I threw the papers back on the table. Helped myself to some of Rembrandt's formula. Turned down the lights and went out on the porch. The bay was dark except for an occasional path of light from a passing freighter. I sat down to think and think. Then, quick, quick, just like that, two little tumblers in my mind fell into place. Only one thing to do, and that was to do it the hard way. The next morning, just as the ferry building siren was announcing 8 o'clock to downtown San Francisco, I got Rembrandt on the phone. Candy, what on earth are you calling me for at this hour? Can't help it. There's work to be done. I did my work last night so extremely well that I'm just going to bed now. Sorry, you'll just have to delay your sack time. Meet me at the corner of Mason and Union in ten minutes, right where the cable car stops. Now, what are we going to do? We're going to take a cable car ride. What? One of those bouncing, jerky little contraptions? Not the way I feel this morning. Oh, yes, you are. Union and Mason in ten minutes. All right, Rembrandt, get on. This is the silliest thing you've ever done, Candy. Maybe. We'll see. Dwight Ellsworth was already on the car when I got on here. And alive. How could you tell? He mumbled something when I asked him to move over. Sounds logical. Although I once remember stumbling into a corpse who mumbled for hours after it had been liquidated. Mm, Rembrandt was in one of his rambling moods, so I let him alone. The car pulled over Mason Street, down Washington, and then swung on to Powell and up the hill. Now I watched the buildings and apartments carefully. There was a little red brick building, now a big apartment house, a woman's residence club, and so on. 
Then over the hill, more apartments and the possibilities petered out of Bush. Well, only one thing to do. Canvas all those blocks between Washington and Bush. Okay, Rembrandt. Off the car. Strangest corpse I ever did see. Uh, what do you say, Candy? Off the car. Come on. Now what? I just want to get to bed. Well, not for a long time, Boy Blue. Now, here's the pitch. You take this building, and I'll take the next. We'll alternate as we go along. Ask if a tall woman with a horsey face and dressed something like Queen Victoria ever lived around here. Oh, Candy. I know it sounds wild, but it's got to be done. A horse with a tall face and dressed something like... Oh, Rembrandt, look at me. Get that smoke out of your brain. A tall woman with a horsey face and dressed something like Queen Victoria. You got it? Got it. Okay, get going. It was slow and tiresome. And the answers I got. A tall gal dressed like Queen Victoria. Oh, sister. That was about par. Nope, nobody like that ever lived here. Are you positive? A dame who fits that description? Yeah, I'm positive. The morning wore on and so did we. We were over on the other side of California Street now, so we stopped and had a bite to eat. I had pickles with mine and Rembrandt had olives on toothpicks in a glass. And again, we picked up the hunt. My heart was suddenly making with a rumba. There, just on the other side of Clay, in front of a three-story red brick house, was a police squad car. There was a little knot of people gathered around. Daintily lifting my crinoline, I did a Mel Patton down the block and up the front steps. I didn't have any trouble finding the room. The door was wide open, and there was a body on the floor. Four representatives of the law were buzzing back and forth. One of the buzzees was Mallard. Well... My little ambassador of violence. Why is it you're always around the extremely dead, Candy? I've got no time to brandy the ad libs, Mallard. Who is it? I don't know yet. No identification. Let me see. Huh. A pen pal, maybe. I was right. I knew it. Knew it? Knew what? You're right. He was a pen pal. He wrote me a check last night for $300. His name is Roger Ellsworth. <laughs> Very interesting. Must be open season on Ellsworth's. Okay, Candy, time you filled in in the blanks. Start. Wait a minute. I want to look at the window over here. Mm-hmm. Mallard, there are a couple of younger Ellsworths living around town here. I'm sure you'd like to see them stay healthy. Yeah? Get out to 25 Dasher Road and pick up an old crone also named Ellsworth. Five will get you 20. She's the one you're after. Uh, well, all right. But you get back to your place and stay put, understand? I want to have a more illuminating chat with you. Oh, Mallard, I'm, I'm just like putty in your hands. The moon was coming up over Diablo and spraying a path of silver on the bay. Still no Mallard. I wondered what could be wrong. Well, this was it. This was the showdown. Have you seen a tall face with a horsey woman? Oh, Rembrandt. Candy, I'm so mad at you, I could... Uh... Oh, what's the use? Now what's the matter? What's the matter, she says. I've been roving all over Powell Street, ringing doorbells. Where did you go, you traitor? Oh, Rembrandt, I'm sorry. In, in the excitement, I forgot all about you. What excitement? There's been another murder. In a moment, there's going to be another I'm looking right at you, Candy. Oh, cool off. Have some formula and stop snorting steam. <gasps> what was that? Your window, Candy. It just shattered. What? 
Oh, wait a minute. That window didn't shatter by itself. Quick, get the lights, Rembrandt. Now duck down here. What sort of a silly game are we playing now? This isn't a game, believe me. Sandy! Sandy, are you all right? Yikes, it's the gumshoe. Yes, I'm all right. Where are you, Mallard? Over here. Two houses over. We've got your girlfriend trapped on the roof next to you. Don't move and stay covered. Okay. All right, Mrs. Ellsworth. Are you coming down peacefully, or do we have to play cops and robbers? I'm not coming down until I get that candy match. She did it! She forced me to kill my own brother-in-law! Have it your own way. Okay, loosen her up a bit, boys. Better than the Fourth of July. Keep your head down, Rembrandt. Oh, is that what was up? Ready to come down, Mrs. Ellsworth? No, I'm not! That hateful woman! She's ruined my whole life! All my plans! Just because of her snooping and prying! She's going to die, I tell you! It was a miracle, Candy. You must have moved slightly just as she shot at you. Well, it was too close, I can tell you. She's dead. Oh, decidedly. I think she was dead before she hit the ground. That one shot got her. We went out to her house, and she was just driving off when we got there. We trailed her up to North Beach, lost her for a block, and then spotted her car at the top of the hill here. We arrived just as she was getting on the roof next door. Okay, now you tell me your little dream. Well, it was that ship docking that set my wheels going around. The name Ellsworth started burning in back somewhere. Mm-hmm. You saw the clippings we dug up. Yeah. The South Sea Island steamship lines were slowly being sabotaged. I did some checking, and I, I found that the insurance companies weren't going to renew. Yeah. I don't know why I didn't tie that in sooner. Oh, it's just that you have too many things on your mind, Mallard, dear. <laughs> I went out to the place on Dashiell Road, and when I left, I was pretty sure the old girl had knocked off her brother-in-law. Why? Well, for several reasons. One, she was a venomous old witch. Two, you've never seen such a collection of guns in all your life. And her husband admitted she was a darn good shot. I also saw one little pot gun that was very interesting. It had a silencer on it. Uh-huh. That was the one she used on you tonight. And also the one she used on Dwight Ellsworth from the window of that apartment where you found her husband. How do you know? Go back there. You'll see a nice little bullet hole in the curtain with burned powder all around it. Now, don't tell me that... Yes, I'm telling you that she rented that place knowing that her brother-in-law always went downtown on a certain cable car. She waited that morning until we were riding by, and she plugged him. I have now heard everything. And the reason? Dwight Ellsworth, rather than fighting the insurance companies, had decided to sell his steamship line. But the old gal thought she'd beat him to the punch by knocking him off. The steamship company would then fall into her husband's hands. Yeah. What about her husband? Well, after he gave me the check and I left, they evidently had a fearful row and she spilled the beans. Somehow she lured him down to that place on Powell and gave him some lead poisoning, too. And that's all there is to it. Candy, I wish you'd have told me all these things earlier. We might have been able to save the life of Roger Ellsworth. No, it wouldn't do any good. Because if she hadn't killed him, I was going to. What? Mm Mm-hmm. While I was waiting for you to get here, the phone rang. It was Uncle Charlie, the honest miller. That no-good Roger Ellsworth. His check bounced like a brand-new golf ball. (laughs) What's so funny, Mallard? Listen in again to the further adventures of Candy Matson. Girl Sucker. 
Well, that's the way it goes. Sometimes you win, sometimes you don't. In this case, nobody did. Except Rembrandt. He'd stocked his darkroom with $50 worth of formula. And not the kind you use on negatives, either. Let's see. Murder on a cable car. Dwight and Roger Ellsworth done in, as well as the old gal. One check that bounced. It really does sound fantastic, doesn't it? But I told you this was radio, didn't I? Oh, wait a minute. Maybe I did come out ahead of that. On the way out, Mallard leaned down and kissed me. The first time it ever happened. You know, at times, it, it's kind of fun to be in the arms of the law. Listen again next week at the same time. For excitement and adventure, just dial... Candy Matson. Yukon 28209. Heard tonight were Helen Cleave, Jack Cahill, and Harry Bechtel, Jack Thomas as Rembrandt, and Henry Leff as Mallard. The program stars Natalie Masters as Candy and is written and produced by Monty Masters. This has been a presentation of NBC, the national broadcasting company. That was an episode of Candy Matson, Yukon 28209 called The Cable Car Case, originally broadcast July 7th, 1949, on NBC West Coast Radio. Jane, this was your selection for this installment. What made you choose it? I chose this episode, and I chose Candy Matson in particular, because it's set in San Francisco, and I've been wanting to get into uh, a women detective noir. I've been wanting to do detective noir, but I definitely, when this came, when I found this, it was like, oh, this is great. And it's set in San Francisco, and it, it takes me to places that I have been to personally. So I'm a lover of San Francisco. I'm a lover of, of smart dames and witty banter. And I think that Candy Manson kind of has has that a little bit of something for everybody. And that's what drew me initially to to the um, to the series itself, because it is set in San Francisco. OK, what did you think of the episode itself? Well, I loved it. I I enjoyed this episode very much. Um uh, as I said, I liked it a lot because it had a lot of quick, witty banter. I love the scripts that Monty writes. Monty uh, is the creator of the series. Monty and Masters, his right? Ma- last name Masters, yes. And his wife, Natalie Masters, uh, is who he wrote the series for. But originally he wrote it for himself to star in. But his mother-in-law, Natalie's mother, uh, suggested him uh, casting his wife, and he did. And I just really love her her delivery. And, of course, the supporting players are wonderful as well. Henry Leff and Jack Thomas as Rembrandt Watson. Candy's kind of confidant, and he helps her solve mysteries. I don't think it's an accident that his last name is Watson to you. <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. Are are you saying they planned that? Uh, it could be. It could be. All right. Well, great. Paul, what did you think? What was your overall opinion of this uh, episode? Well, I like Candyman. I mean, it, it was it was very, oh, the, the whole kind of series is, uh, it's what you would expect. I mean, there, there wasn't a lot of shocking different revelations in here. I mean, it was a strong woman, but still. She get roughed up, and she wasn't exactly, you know, like 
going toe to toe with the guys or anything like that. But she was strong, good banter. What I like is where she lives versus when you watch any of the other gum or listen to any of the other gumshoe detectives. They tend to be like in this. Well, they live in their office essentially. She has her own place up on the hill in another episode, and then there's not a lot of surprises, but it's very well done. She makes the 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 story interesting with her personality, and I also like uh, Watson. It just it's amazing how they would tiptoe around that stuff so much back in the late '40s, early '50s. What you are know, you saying, if, Paul? If he, Huh? What are you saying? Are you implying I'm something about Rembrandt? Rembrandt. Yeah. Mm. I, well, I mean, every, you can say it now. Uh, yeah, he Rembrandt was artwork. gay. <laughs> he liked artwork, okay? That's, that's why he's called yes, Rembrandt. But he did have that line where he said, every man needs a woman and every woman needs a man. He did uh, say that. He said that's that. Kinda like, <laughs> that's like the other old line that says... Uh, any man that's not married is incomplete. Any man that's married is finished. <laughs> so kind of yeah, same thing. But, I mean, it was a very good show. Unfortunately, only 15 of the episodes survived, which, you know, I wouldn't mind hearing more of them. Well, that's true. I, th- I think Candy Matson um, was a terrific series. Really not a lot of, uh, um, like Paul said, not a lot of hard-charging um, major no. crimes going on, but it was fun because yeah. she went it's, into it. She would, she was tongue in cheek. Most of the time she had a terrific uh, relationship with the cop, uh, Lieutenant Mallard, who she called Mallard. Um, there's uh, um, the, the dialogue that they have sometimes is very self-aware. They didn't really, uh, pay into it this time except maybe a little mention what is all this dialogue about mallard you know they're making a joke about what the stuff they're saying you know? yeah she literally said this mediocre dialogue is yeah. getting us nowhere but there's That's one episode it, i've let I've, i think i've listened to all of them and there's one where she said <laughs> who writes this stuff <laughs> exactly it's it's self-deprecating you know it Which knows what it is it's it's the 29 minutes 30 seconds whatever yeah. of just just fluff entertainment that people can you know get away from it all and and you know how these things are going to play out i listened to more than this one of course and and they you know you you get it figured out pretty quickly and sometimes you know they wrap it up in the last 6 minutes of the show after there's been all this exposition but there it's fun and and the dialogue is is cute, you know, and, and, you know, my favorite, it's punny, you know, is look for a tall woman with a horsey face or a horsey woman with a tall face. (laughs) And, (laughs) you know, and then of course the organ music, uh, the, the woman's name uh, was Eloise, um, who was the organist. I was trying to find out more about her, but I just thought it it was cute. You know, it kind of feels like being at a bowling alley at a ballpark, but it was, it was, she was right on point and it was just, it's fun, you know, just fun. (laughs) (laughs) This uh, organ music added at no expense. (laughs) (laughs) I had to pay a lot for that sound effect. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, this is great. Yes, uh, um, I liked uh, this episode in particular, mainly because uh, of the way it started. You get the phone call, right? 
and then she, and then it cuts away. There's the announcer doing his thing, and then it comes back to the phone call, and he and and Candy is warned off the uh, the case. Right? That usually doesn't happen. It usually goes straight from her answering the phone to the announcer to the adventure. But this time, it's like she tells it in backstory. Backstory. Yeah. So that's that's an unusual. Uh, opening for this series, which I liked a lot. Um, Rembrandt, I'm not sure if this is this early in the series. Um, I'm pretty sure that Rembrandt's voice was a little deeper than usual. <laughs> maybe, he, it, you maybe he had no. cold like Paul and me. <laughs> yeah, he did sound a little less uh, fey. Yeah, um, is that uh, and some of this one he sounded a little more sturdy, but I do love you know him mixing up his formulas in the in the photo room, and it's not formula for photography. Well, yeah, this is one of the forty nine <laughs> episodes. <laughs> yeah, I really like how um, they um, they call each other these particular endearments. Rembrandt will call her Dove, and she'll say she'll call him Ducky. Mallard is Mallard, of course, because he's already a duck. <laughs> I'm noticing a waterfowl theme here. How yes, about you? Yeah. My dove and my and ducky. It's 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 great. Um, just a lot of wonderful characters, and then the villains are usually uh, larger than life, which is nice, um, fun to listen to. This one was unusual, and because it had a woman who was who was the murderer, which I found to be unusual for the time. You know, she, she was really mad. Was, that woman, <laughs> she ruined my life. She forced me into this. <laughs> so funny. So funny. She was just it's a happy well, too. Yeah. It, it, it seems just like a fun romp to do as well yeah. as, you know, for, for the actors. Yeah. Modern day <laughs> audiences will hear um, comments that are obviously sexist. The motorman on the cable car said, Come on, Lana, move those legs or something like that, you know, yes. uh, whatever he said. And uh, um, I, I think it's self-deprecating. It's very tongue in cheek and uh, only the most severe social justice warriors will be offended by such things. You know, keep it in context. Keep it in the 50s when or the 19, late 40s when this happened. And, and you can't. Exactly. Well, the thing exactly. is, with, uh, you know comments like that because they were doing more of a family friendly show i mean it wasn't pushing it like the one we did with the one with all the great expounding that he was doing you see the blood coming out of the hole every time every time that's gonna gonna sleep for a while these were more very family friendly but i think it was a little harder to get away with those kind of you know terms and stuff and sayings when you're trying to make it as family friendly as possible. True. So I think that that kind of goes hand in hand a bit there. But, you know, it's San Francisco, it's the West Coast, and I think they were um, trying to go for a, an older demographic. They were going, it's, you know, grown-ups uh, because it is a, a single woman who's spending time with a, a couple of different men um, she's a private eye, and I think yeah, it's shocking. <laughs> so I, I doubt many kids listened to to this, or you know, the boys probably thought, "What? A girl detective? It's a girl. No way!" So I'm he's sure. got cooties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is this is. A, girls loved her. 
boys didn't know what to do with her. So <laughs> Mallard All obviously the didn't know what to do with her. Oh. The whole series, Mallard <laughs> didn't know what to do with her. Although he did kiss her in this one, which was uh, yes, unusual. he did kiss her, and he finally did ask her to marry him. And I was reading that in a 1950 episode, um, uh, it was a cliffhanger where she died in a, a did she or didn't she die in a plane crash? This episode ended with a plane crash from Candy Matson being involved in it, and the Radio City, and by Radio City, I'm talking about Radio City in San Francisco. Uh-huh. Uh, the NBC studio there, uh, people were just very upset wanting to know what happened to Candy. So she was a very, very popular show. Yes, and in the very last episode, uh, which I happened to listen to just accidentally the other day, uh, called Candy's Last Case, at the very beginning, they're presented with uh, a major award um, for like best uh, Bay Area audio radio drama or something like that. Mm-hmm. So um, she was very... And, and then Natalie Masters came in, came up to the microphone as herself and was very effusive and, and very appreciative of the award. But she didn't, she, they didn't, they didn't reveal until the end of the, until the end of the thing that it was Candy's last case, right? So Candy's last case because she and, and we're going off the air. Yeah, because she and uh, Mallard went off, uh, they got married. And um, which I found Natalie, to be very disappointing to can for Candy. That she would give up her career for Mallard. <laughs> I found that to be yeah, very disappointing. Uh, yeah. yeah. And stay at home and cook for a man like she's supposed to. Is that what yeah, you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So good. Anybody else have anything to say about this particular episode or about the series in general? What What do you want? What do you want to say? Well, we've we've all seen Natalie Masters work. Though well, for those of us of a certain age, definitely uh, the three of us, because uh, she did a lot of bit work, uh, bit roles on television. She was in Adam Twelve, Alice, Gunsmoke, Courtship of Eddie's Father, Family Affair, Donna Reed, Dragnet, Heart to Heart, Vegas. We've wow. seen her. We've seen her. We just probably didn't know who who she was or her backstory at the time. We've seen her well, little I work in not, those shows. I of did theaters. not know this. Cool. Yeah. So there's a little trivia there about Natalie Masters. Thanks, Jane. I didn't know that. Yeah. I've seen a picture of her in a bathing suit. It was the only thing I could find at the time. And my my brother, my older brother, introduced me to Candy Matson. He sent me a, a couple of CDs a few years back, probably 15 years ago, and said you need to check out Candy Matson. And he told me himself about the how it was self aware and how they they made jokes about what they were saying, you know, in the moment and things like that. And um, I, I, I looked up Natalie Masters and could only find one photograph. And it was a photograph of her in a one-piece bathing suit. And so I sent it to him and he said, uh, okay, I think I need to listen to this series again. <laughs> <laughs> That's my bro. Give me something to think about while I'm listening. Yes, indeed. Okay. Well, good, good, good. Um, I thank you, Jade, for bringing us this one. This is uh, one of my favorites. I, I, I have listened to most of the existing ones, and um, I liked it so much. I liked the series so much that um, I found a script to which there is no 
existing recording, and my troupe, the Narada Radio Company, did a production, a, a live show of this uh, particular episode called The Black Cat, or The Black Cat Caper, one of the other, one or the other. So if um, you wanted to go find that, you certainly can. We, we uh, uh, recorded it last August, about a year ago, in Corpus Christi, Texas, and I posted it on the website um, in a year later. So it was, it was like, okay, we did it last year, so it's a year later. That makes it this year. Okay. <laughs> Me do math good. Me no calendar. Okay. So I, this I think year, we should go back to aught when we did yeah, we need to go back before. To As a matter Let's of fact, it hasn't aught. been posted on the website yet, but it was part of the Sonic Summerstock Playhouse, which was on the Mutual Audio Network, which we are a part of. Okay, so look for that. It's the Narada Radio Company doing uh, the Candy Matson episode called The Black Cat Caper or The Black Cat, and it's really fun. We had had a lot of fun with that one. If you do say so yourself. If I do say so myself. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Okay, so uh, let's vote, shall we? What are we voting on, dear listener? As a reminder, we are voting on, one, whether this particular episode is a true representative installment of the overall series, and B, whether or not it is a standalone show that belongs in every radio aficionado's collection. And again, Jane, since this was your selection, please commence with the voting I'm voting uh, thumbs up. <laughs> I uh, I think it's it, it, it's a true representative installment. Uh, I think it it's a, a good solid standalone. Um, and I think uh, if not this episode, I think that you should seek out a Candy Matson, listen to them all because there's only thirteen or fourteen there, so it's not that much time. Find the one you like. I think she definitely, uh, a, an episode of Candy Manson definitely belongs in everybody's collection, for sure. Now, make sure you don't say Candy Manson, because that makes her sound like <clears throat> Charles Manson's younger did, sister. Did, 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 did it sound like Manson? Did it I say like Manson? like you said Manson. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, yep. Because he Matt, was from the Bay Area, too, you know. <laughs> yes, he was. Look out! All right. Good. Paul? Well, I, I'm not sure how to follow up to Candy Manson. Now I'm I'm just <laughs> starting to think about different radio drama with Candy Manson in it, you know? And it's like, uh, is that could be really cool and psychotic in a way. But anyhow, back to what we're talking about. Okay. Uh, I thought I'm giving it a thumbs up. This was a good representation of the series. I I'm a sucker for any show that doesn't take itself too seriously. You know, if they can do a little nod, nod, wink, wink in there, then I'm I'm good with it because I think it means that you have a very you're confident in what you're putting out there and you're confident in your abilities and you're also not too egotistical or that's where you can just let's have fun. And that usually comes through when they're a little bit more self-deprecating and have fun with it. And I, I really do like when they do that in the radio drama. So I liked it. Well, good. So uh, as for me, I'm a huge fan of Candy Matson. So, yes, I believe that uh, this episode is uh, representative of the overall series. It's got Ray Mallard. It's got uh, Rembrandt. It's got a murder and it's got a summing up of the end. You know, of course, 
um, where Candy Matson suddenly knows everything and reveals it to Mallard. <laughs> that was usually the formula. You wonder how how did she know these things? You know, how did she do that? How did she do that? But she's smarter than most people gave her credit for. You know, and and I think it is a um, it's a very good show, and any uh, collector, any radio aficionado would um, enjoy this in his or her collection. Okay. So um, that is all of us are for it, and all of us say yes to both categories, which is great. That's a nice consensus. We don't always have that. Um, That's true. So good. Um, and Paul, you have the next bit. I have the next bit. Okay, great. This brings us to the end of episode six of Old Time Radio Essentials with Jane St. John, Pete Lutz, and me, Paul RBC. Next time, the cycle comes around to Pete again, and he's bringing us... Next time, we bring you another listener suggestion, and it's especially for Halloween, since our next episode will launch in October. It's an episode of the classic horror suspense series, Inner Sanctum Mysteries, called, appropriately enough, Corpse for Halloween, originally aired Halloween night, 1949. If I can have a fanboy moment, <laughs> our listener making the suggestion is a co-host of another podcast dealing with old-time radio, Joshua from the very popular Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society. Yay! So, that's next month on Old Time Radio Essentials. Paul, Jane, tell the masses what they need to know. Old Time Radio Essentials is a production of 63 Audio, a proud member of the Mutual Audio Network. Find us at www.mutualaudionetwork.com or www.naradaradio.libsyn.com on iTunes under Mutual Audio Network and or Narada Radio Company, and on any podcatcher that you may happen to use. Like us on Facebook at Mutual Audio Fans and at Narada Radio Company Fans and Friends. <laughs> on Twitter at Essentials Old. If you want to suggest a future episode, write us at F6.3 at gmail.com. That's the letter F, the number six, the word point and the number three at gmail.com put the word essentials in the subject line yes yes please let us hear from you dear listeners send us emails and tell us what you think of the show and send us your suggestions it doesn't take much effort to leave feedback or write up a review and it'll make you feel good and us too right gang exactly yes Yay! Yes. yes and now thanks please. to all of you for listening and now, before we sign off, I want to remind you or let you know about the uh, script writing contest that's going on right now. If you are a writer, if you have ever wondered what it would be like to write a, 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 an audio drama script, or if you um, have something already that you didn't know what to do with, why not send it to us for um, a special uh, script writing competition? This is through... Our other podcast called The Seller, our audio drama uh, series. And if you go to naradaradio.libsyn.com, scroll down a little bit, you're going to see the words script writing contest. The rules are there. It's very simple. Write a script, 
make sure you follow the rules and send it to us at the at the email indicated and make sure you hit don't miss the deadline of October 27th. Okay? That's all I want to say about that. So now, without further ado, <laughs> I'm looking at the script. Where did I leave off? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh. You ran no, no, off no, the Where did I leave off? <laughs> and now, thanks word. to all of you for listening. Be sure to catch us next time on Old Time Radio Essentials. Bye-bye for now. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Write us. Love us. Don't unlove us. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that means. Sixty three audio. You're tuned into Monday Matinee on the Mutual Audio Network. Tomorrow is all things horror on Tuesday Terrors. Subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed for every day, or find Tuesday Terrors in your favorite podcast players. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together. <laughs>